Well, if you'd like the teaching notes this morning, you can download them on our website. We had some computer glitches this morning and weren't able to get them printed off the hard copies, but good night, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Awake ye who sleep. Uh, On the website at forerunnerchurch.com slash notes, we can put up the address for you. You can have those on your phone right now or tablet or computer if you have that with you and follow along with those teaching notes. Um, We're going to look at Matthew chapter 11, so go ahead and turn there in your Bible. Matthew chapter 11, we're gonna look at the last segment of verses this morning. I'm gonna read beginning in verse 25, Matthew 11, 25, and then then we'll pray and look at Jesus. Matthew 11, verse 25. At that time, Jesus answered and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them to babes. Even so, Father, for it is it seemed good in your sight. All things have been delivered to me by my Father and no one knows the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. Verse 28, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. Another translation says, I am meek and humble. You will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Father, we come before you as your people, as the ones that you so love and treasure and delight in. That's who we are in your eyes, your children, the bride of Jesus. And Lord, we look to you and we ask for your spirit. We ask for the spirit of revelation that gives us insight into the heart of the Lord that we would see Jesus, that we would experience his heart for us, that you would set us before you in confidence in these days and in the days ahead, that we would be confident in the Lord and confident in your word, that we would not be swayed by fear, nor confusion, nor doubt, and that you would make us like a rock in the midst of the storm. Father, we love you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Paragraph A, the Spirit is waking up the church, the body of Christ, to pursue and lean into wholehearted love for him in a unique way. Matter of fact, the everything that's happening within our culture, within the nations, the turmoil, the increase of trouble is the scenario, it is the environment in which God is alerting the church to lean into him so that wholehearted love is produced within the heart of his people. It's the main thing that he wants. It's the main thing that he's after in your life. All the trials of your life, all the pressures, all the setbacks, all the victories, all the joys, all of it is unto you standing before Jesus at the end of your days and looking into his eyes and knowing him and loving him and standing before him without fear or shame. And the way that we do that is to agree with that first and great commandment that you would love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That's what he's after. And so when we look out at what's happening within the culture, within society, What needs to come to our mind is is that the Lord is alerting his people. He has his hand on them and he's getting them to lean into him, into the place of wholehearted love and devotion that they would love him with all that they are. That's what he wants. And that's what he wants for your life. And that's what he wants of this spiritual family. And if we get this right, meaning, In sincerity, if we as a spiritual family, we lean into this reality and we lean in in our lives and in our, during our jobs and in our family and in our homes and in our private life, if we lean into this invitation from the Lord to be wholehearted for God, 
I mean, to really love him with everything that we are. If we lean into this, everything is going to work out, okay? You're gonna stand before him and you're gonna stand without fear or shame or regret or doubt. If this is the main conversation of our heart as a spiritual family before the Lord, we'll stand before him in victory. If this is not the main conversation in our heart before the Lord, we, will, we have no guarantee of what that conversation at the judgment seat is gonna look like. There is no guarantee because there are so many good things that we could emphasize there are so many conversations that are meaningful and helpful and important. There's issues that relate to our culture and our society. There's things that relate to, you know, our families and our jobs and our marriages. There are so many conversations that are valid, but there is one conversation and one dialogue that the Lord wants us to have with him in the secret place of our heart and leaning into him, and it's this issue of wholehearted love before him. God's people, paragraph B, they don't wake up one day walking in wholehearted love. It doesn't happen immediately. You know, your sin is forgiven and you're washed. You're instantly forgiven at the moment of the new birth when you get saved. Your life is transformed. You're, you're made clean and righteous before the living God. Hallelujah. But that doesn't mean that you're walking in this first and great commandment. That is the beginning of the journey into wholehearted love. Paragraph C, and this is kind of the theme of the message. The theme of the message is uh, entitled The Yoke of Wholehearted Love. And it's kind of around this principle right here in paragraph C. The pursuit of wholehearted love for Jesus is the only true place of rest for the soul as we're gonna see here in this passage. It's the only safe place. And when I talk about rest and when the scripture talks about rest, rest doesn't mean kicking back and doing nothing. It's not because we're so, when we speak of rest, biblical rest, it's not that we're so broken down physically and worn out and maxed emotionally and everything that, hey, it's time for rest. And there is a place where we need to have that type of rest because our bodies are weak and frail and the older we get, you know, the more in tune we are with that. However, that's not necessarily the rest that I'm talking about right here. The rest that I'm talking about is having an inner peace and delight in God regardless of our exterior circumstances. How do we know that? Because when God rested on the seventh day after creation, he didn't rest because he was physically tired and emotionally spent. Think about that. I mean, when God rests on the seventh day after creation, he's not just like, I am so overwhelmed by the amount of creatures right now. The monkeys are chattering, you know, the, the lions are roaring, they won't shut up, the crows are calling. I, I just, it's just, everybody get out of here, shut up. I just need to kick back. I, I'm kind of missing eternity past before I just made all you weirdos, you know, and I mean, that's kind of the place that we get to emotionally and physically in our life, and we're like, okay, I need a break, I need a vacation. But that's not the type of rest that I'm talking about here. Because when God rests, like he rested on the seventh day, it wasn't because he was emotionally or physically tired. He rested so that he could enjoy and delight the goodness of his divine nature and his creative uh, uh, purposes, his creation. He rests to delight in God. And the only place that the Christian can rest is when they delight themselves fully in God. Why does that matter? It matters because there's a very powerful lie that the enemy wants to sow into believers and into their, into their understanding. And the, the powerful lie is it's impossible for you to love God with all of your heart, soul, strength, and mind. That is impossible. And the enemy wants you, when you read that or when you hear the call to wholehearted love, or when you hear the call to just, I mean, really giving all the affections of your heart to the Lord. The enemy wants you to hear a lie that there's no way that you personally could do that. 
And he might come, the enemy might come and lie to you and say, well, so-and-so could do that. Well, you know, Mike Bickle could do that. Well, Bill Johnson could do that. But there's no way that you could do that because you're different than them. And the enemy tries to get us to believe that wholehearted devotion to the Lord is connected to some personality type. It's the real, you know, it's the guy who's just so devoted to the Lord. It's the girl who's so devoted. They just came out of the womb so devoted to Jesus, so fixated on the word of God and prayer and humility. They're just so naturally humble. And the enemy tries to get you to think that everyone else is like that, but there's no way that you could be like that. He wants to get you to believe that you can't love God in a way that touches the heart of God and that moves his heart. And if he gets you to believe that, which many, many believers do, then we just kind of give up on this pursuit of wholehearted devotion before the Lord. We just go, ah, it's not really worth it. It's not really for me because I'm not like that guy. I'm not like those girls. I'm not like you know, the famous men and women of history. I'm not King David and I'm not Paul the Apostle. The, the Lord had a sovereign call in their life, but that doesn't apply to me. And so we settle into this rut and this routine of just contentment to just kind of be along with the ride and just go out. We have our head down and we're just like, well, I know that he loves me and I just hope I get in at the end. And the Lord wants to absolutely destroy that lie in the body of Christ. He wants to destroy that lie, even this morning, that you cannot love God with all of your heart in the way that he's called you to. Because Jesus, in his kindness, in his compassion, in his mercy, which is what this passage is about, when he calls us to wholeheartedness, I mean, when he calls us to Love him with all of our heart, soul, strength, and mind. I'm sure many of you have uh, wrestled with, you know, that invitation, that command. It's hard, right? And when he calls us to that command, he goes, I want you to love me with everything that you are. There is a commensurate grace, and which is an empowerment of the Holy Spirit, that is released through the commands of the Lord. He doesn't leave us alone. And this is what this passage is highlighting that we'll get into. He yokes us to him. He doesn't say, get out there, go out into the workplace, go out to the marketplace, and just go love me with all you are. Good luck, I'll see you at the judgment seat. I hope you get it right. That's really not the way that he leads us. It's really not the way. And he releases a commensurate grace, an empowerment by the Holy Spirit in us when we posture our hearts, when we say, I'm going all the way for this thing. I'm going all the way for love. I'm going all the way for him. I'm committing in my life that I'm gonna use my resources, my time, my energy to love Jesus with all that I am because when I stand at the judgment seat, I wanna know him. I wanna have a deep history in him and we have confidence that whatever he calls us to, he will give us grace and provision to actually walk it out. Can you imagine how cruel he would be if he did it? If he called you to something, if he put a calling on your life and then didn't help you in any way to get there, I mean, how cruel and unusual that would be. That would make him a bail, which means a taskmaster, a harsh master over your life, and that is <clears throat> not who he is. This uh, quote from Augustine, he said this, thou hast made us for thyself, bear with me on the New King James, Old King James translation here, thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds rest in thee. My argument this morning, well, that's not really an argument, but my point this morning is that I don't think we find that rest and that delight in God until we make the determination on the inside, I'm going all the way for you. I'm not content to live on the fence. I'm not content to live half-hearted. I'm not content to just be a part of a community that has a reputation for emphasizing the first commandment, but I, me, 
I want to go all the way in God. I want to know him. I want to enjoy him. I want to commit my ways to the Lord. I want to walk in a hundredfold obedience before him. I want to go all the way. Because uh, my thought is, is that there is not a grace released to us by the Spirit to walk in wholehearted love until we determine on the inside to commit to it, I am going to walk in wholehearted love. There's a commensurate grace that the Lord would release to us, and he's emphasized this to our spiritual family over and over and over again. And I'm just so blessed at the kindness and the gentleness of the Lord in the midst of this. Well, this is what he wants from us as Forerunner Church, paragraph E. He wants us to be wholehearted for him. He wants to take the same love that he has for the Father and the same love that the Father has for the Son. He wants to put that love inside of you and inside of me so that when we love God, we're not just loving him in accordance with our own strength and ability. We're loving God with a divine love, a powerful love, the very love and affection and delight that is shared within the Trinity, that's the same love we're giving back to God because he wants to be loved in a very particular way. And when you fall in love with someone and you start dating them and you know courting them and you know, what you begin to find out is there's a particular way in which, in which they want to be loved. And when you don't love them in that way, They let you know, right? In a marriage, if you don't love your spouse in the way that they wanna be loved, they let you know there's conflict, there's whatever. Jesus wants to be loved in a particular way. And his demands are very high. (laughs) All he wants is for you to love him with everything that you are. That's it, right? And so here we are. But John 17, he's praying to the Father. I mean, this great, powerful prayer before he goes to the cross and he goes, the same love that the father has, that the son has, look at this in John 17, 26, the love with which you loved me, that the father loved the son, he said, may it be in them. And when he went to the cross, he was going on a mission to accomplish the release of a divine love from the father that would be imparted to us so that we could love God in the same way that he loves us. I mean, this is remarkable. What's what's remarkable about about this is that so few people throughout church history have walked in this type of love with consistency. I mean, there's highlights. There's one guy from the 1500s and another gal from the 1600s. But imagine this. I mean, imagine this. Imagine this whole spiritual family. I mean, everyone that's here and our kids and you know, our friendship groups and our Bible studies. And imagine all of us postured before the Lord going, we wanna love Jesus with this holy and divine love. We're leaning in and we're not gonna rest until that same love flows in us and flows out of us towards God and towards one another. I mean, before the day of the Lord, before he returns to the earth, he's gonna have a bride that is wholehearted for him. I mean, all across the nations of the earth, you know, let's say it's a billion believers. You compare that to church history where there's, you know, a few hundred or thousand that have really made this the goal and the aim of their life. Before the coming of the Lord, there's gonna be hundreds of millions of believers that are leaning into this conversation and going, I am wholehearted for Jesus. I've made it my goal, I've made it my aim, and nothing is gonna take it from me. The floods of pressure of life, finances, riches, glory, fame, lust, envy, greed, they're not gonna extinguish the flame of love that's in my heart. I'm not gonna let it. And I'm gonna continually put myself before that flame of wholehearted devotion before the Lord again and again and again. It's gonna happen. I mean, it's truly remarkable. It's gotta be one of the great eschatological promises and, and miracles is that a church, a people would love God more than anything else. Beautiful. So Jesus, 
in verse 25, he says, I thank you, Lord, that you have revealed, or excuse me, that you have hidden these things from babes, and or, <laughs> I'm messing it up here, that you have hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, and you've revealed them to babes. And this passage is really important because in Matthew 11, we don't have time to develop much of it right now, but Matthew 11, I just want you to make a mental note, is one of the key passages in the scripture that highlights the call to wholehearted love before the Lord. It doesn't seem like that at a casual reading because he's talking about John the Baptist and Elijah and Reed shaking in the wind and you know, he's using these bizarre statements. He uses this crazy, you know, terminology in verse 12, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence. And, but what he's talking about in this passage is the call and the invitation into wholehearted love. And he's highlighting John the Baptist. And he's telling the people about John's commitment to wholehearted love. What made John so unique wasn't the fact that he's out in the wilderness and that he's wearing camel skin and that he's eating bugs and honey and all this kind of stuff. That's what we think of when we think of the uniqueness of John the Baptist. But the truly unique thing about him and the gift of John the Baptist to that generation was that there was a man who is so devoted in his heart to wholehearted love for Jesus. He goes, I will go all the way with Christ. I don't care what it costs me. I don't care who my enemies are. I don't care who my friends are. I am set before the Lord. I must have him. I'm about the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. And nothing's gonna dissuade me. Nothing is gonna you know, throw me in prison, whatever it is. He goes, I am gonna go all the way for the sake of love. I'm a friend of the bridegroom. I've seen the bridegroom, I've felt his affection for me, and all I wanna do is return that same affection to Christ that he has so lovingly given to me. Well, when Jesus says in verse 25, he says, you've hidden these things from the wise and the prudent, the these things that Jesus is talking about are these principles of wholehearted love before the Lord. And what Jesus is talking about in verse 25 is that he's saying that God has hidden the way of wholehearted love from the so-called wise and the so-called prudent of this age. It's those that are so skilled and wrapped up, you know, in the secular narrative about making sense of everything, and they've got worldly ideas with worldly solutions, and they're very worldly, and it's those that are in the body of Christ and outside the body of Christ. He says, You've hidden the principles and the way into wholehearted love. You've hidden it from those that are spiritually prideful, whose hearts are spiritually dull. And he says, you've revealed them to babes. You've revealed them to infants. And I love this. Look at paragraph C on page two. God has chosen, he's ordained that everyone throughout history is invited into wholehearted love and fellowship with the Trinity. I mean, this is an incredible invitation that we have. When I think of my life, the weakness of it, the brokenness of it, how finite I am, and the Lord, the Trinity, the triune God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, says, I wanna make a way for him to be in on the joy and the delight and the fellowship that we have in the Trinity. I mean, this is a staggering idea that's here. And the Lord says, I'm not just gonna make it available to those throughout history that are so valiant and bold and courageous and have that certain charisma about them. He goes, I'm gonna make it available to anyone. He calls them babes or infants. And what that language emphasizes is a spiritual hunger and a sincerity of anyone that calls upon the name of Jesus that would say yes to pursuing wholehearted love. That's how he defines the babes and the infants. It's not about being naive. It's not about you know, having a, a, being not as smart as someone else or, or not as gifted as another individual. When Jesus talks about the infants and the babes, he's talking about the posture of the heart. Do you have faith that when God says you can love me with all your heart, that we would actually respond to it, that we'd be able to do it. 
He's talking about an internal sincerity and a spiritual hunger on the inside. Jesus, he used these terms. He, throughout his teaching, his parables, he makes truth simple and he makes it difficult at the exact same time. When he would speak to the masses, the poor, those that were spiritually poor, that were hungry for the things of the Lord, they would understand his parables. But those that were wise in accordance with the spirit of the age, the so-called prudent, the so-called gifted and discerning and just so intellectually you know, adept, they would stumble over the most basic teaching in the kingdom. And the Lord is showing us, he goes, I want you to lean into this conversation of all-hearted love, and the way that you do it is in sincerity and humility like a child carries. That's what gets you into the conversation. Go down to paragraph three. Wholehearted love is ignited through the revelation of Jesus. In verse 27, Matthew 11, Jesus says that all things had been delivered to him by the Father, and that no one knew the Son except the Father, nor does anyone know the Father except the Son. And this is the key phrase, and the one to whom the Son wills to reveal him. So in this conversation of wholehearted love, we have to see that God is after fellowship with people. Wholehearted love is not just following all the rules and being 100% obedience. There were religious leaders and Pharisees that were really, really good at following the rules in Jesus' day. Jesus says, I'm not talking about them. He goes, I'm talking about the revelation of my person. I'm talking about an invitation into wholehearted fellowship with me and knowing me in a deeper way. Page three, the Lord is looking for more than the spiritually committed. He's looking for more than those that would come to every single meeting and know all the Bible verses and memorize the 150 chapters of the end times and get those down and real clear. He's looking for more than that. The invitation and a wholehearted love is the invitation into fellowship with him to know him and be known by him. And like I mentioned at the beginning, if you get that, you get everything. But if we don't get that, I mean, like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he goes, if I have the tongue of angels and I understand all wisdom and mysteries, but I don't have love, I don't have fellowship with the Godhead, I'm not leaning in to wholehearted love and devotion. I wanna sit at the feet of Jesus. He goes, I have, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 13, he says, I have nothing. I stand before nothing. My life will amount to nothing if that's not the main conversation that I'm having with the Lord. Paragraph four, let's look at this, the yoke of rest. While Jesus has been building on this call throughout the whole chapter into wholehearted love. And then he begins to show us how to actually move forward in it. How do we actually move forward into wholehearted love and devotion before the Lord? Look at this, verse 28. I love this. He says, come to me. Come to me. If you want to be wholehearted, come to me. It's not about showing up to the meeting. It's not about showing up to this or that. It's not about the outward expression. It's about coming to me, coming to the Son. Is your life about coming to the Son, appearing before him, talking with him, hearing his words, and fellowshipping with him? He says, come to me, all you who labor and heavy laden. He says, I will give you rest. Remember that rest that we're talking about is that inner delight and peace with God. You know, you can be in the midst of the storm. I mean, Jesus is in a boat in the midst of the storm and he's asleep. What a bizarre time to be at peace and rest in the midst of the storm. And I think that's a prophetic picture of where the church is gonna be both now and in the days ahead when there's greater crisis, that there would be an inner peace and an inner rest with God because our life and our emotions aren't connected to the up and down of our circumstances and our comforts. 
And there are many that are very fixated on getting all their circumstances right. There are many uh, that are fixated on getting their comforts back that they lost, their opportunities that they lost through COVID. You know, all of the different things that we missed out on and people are so troubled and there's so much angst on the inside. And the Lord says, I have a place of rest for you that's so much more powerful and real than your circumstances. Your circumstances may not change. We want them to change, but they may not change. But if you lean into this conversation with wholeheartedness in me, you're gonna get the yoke of Christ, which we'll look at. He goes, you will find peace and rest and delight for your very soul. When I look out and I just, I see so many that are in such fear and confusion and chaos, they're swept up into debates and arguments. I'm talking about everywhere. You just get on the internet, you listen to the news for one minute. I mean, people are so embroiled in the, I mean, just, it's, I mean, it's, it's alarming. It's, it's like there is no win. You know, we've kind of run out of words to insult one another at this point. It's like, well, what's next? I mean, I don't know. I guess we just, you know, society's gonna get violent against each other because nobody has any words left to express their anger and their angst towards whoever made their life hard and miserable out there. And the Lord is going, there is a better way he goes, in your heart, he goes, church, church in America, in your heart, he goes, lean into me in the midst of this crisis. Lean into me. Devote your way to the Lord. Come and talk to me. Come and yoke yourself to me. Come and be wholehearted for me. He goes on in verse 29, take my yoke on you, for I'm gentle and I'm lowly in heart, and you'll find rest for your souls. And my yoke is easy and my burden is light. See, we don't believe that. We don't believe that the yoke of Christ and that the ways of the gospel are easy and light. We don't believe that. How do, we, how do I know that? Well, I've lived with me for a long time, and I know that when I'm weary, when I'm heavy laden, when the angst of my soul, I just wanna scream on the inside because so many circumstances, I imagine that they need to change to bring peace. I imagine that eight people in my life need to change the way they are and be completely different humans in order for me to have peace, hello? I imagine that you know friends and family members and coworkers in the body of Christ and we all kind of live this way. We all imagine that the problem is the person next to us and that if they were to change, that we would finally have the peace that we so long for. And it's just really not true. The reason that our souls are unsettled is because they are not yoked to the Lord and many have not crossed that threshold of going, I'm gonna live actually fully for the Lord. And I wanna urge us, Right now, this is kind of a solemn call, but I wanna urge us, if you in your heart have not made and that, that determination before the Lord, I'm really gonna go all the way for him. Regardless of what happens in my uh, ministry experience, in my life experience, at my work, my job, my family, regardless of what happens, I'm really in this thing for the bridegroom. I'm willing to go all the way for him. Because he's my only safety. And I mean, if he goes down, I go down. But I mean, he's not going down. He was raised from the dead. But I mean, this is a serious hour that we're in. And as the pressure increases, the angst, the anger, the turmoil of the soul is gonna increase. And the Lord has a way out. But it's about posturing our heart for wholehearted love and going, I'm going all the way with you, Jesus. Paragraph A. A great lie, I mentioned this earlier, that Christians believe is that God's ways are too hard. They're too hard. I can't, I can't be a hundredfold obedient. It's too hard. My heart is greedy. My heart is lustful. My heart is angry. 
My life is in chaos. My circumstances, I'm not getting paid the amount of money I need. I'm not getting promoted in the way that I need. No one recognizes my gifting. I'm all alone. My family misunderstands me. And we imagine that if we were to just set our face before the Lord, that that would be a burden that would be too hard to bear. And that's exactly where the enemy is winning in this conversation. He's convinced us that the way of the gospel and the way of Christ is the hardest way. And he didn't say it's the hardest way. He said it's the least traveled way. That's very different. And I am postulating, I am positioning that if we set ourselves all the way for God, I mean, we declare war on the areas of sin in our life. We look at our finances, we look at our affection, we look at our time, we look at all of it, and we purpose. We just say, I'm gonna give this to God in my life as a vial beforehand, that alabaster flask like Mary Bethany. I'm gonna spill it all on him. I'm not gonna do it perfectly, and when I mess up, I'm gonna...
that I have. That's what happened uh, when they would yoke two animals together is that the young, you know, stallion that's kind of out of control, he begins to take on the demeanor of the other one, of the other animal to become more gentle, to become uh, uh, more able to be led and more calm and more humble. And that's what Christ calls us into is that our tone and our, our words and, and the things that come out of us more and more begin to look like and sound like Christ. Meekness accelerates our heart into wholehearted love for him. Let's uh, stand, we're gonna pray. Father, we love you, God. We love you, we love the meekness, the humility of your son that you've called us into this fellowship with you. You're so kind, you're so gentle, you're so committed and determined at the same time to see wholehearted love produced within us. I wanna pray for those uh, in the room that are feeling that sense of heaviness, that are feeling that sense of, of being laden and weighed down right now. Maybe that's where you are because of a, new, uh, you know, a number of reasons. This morning you find yourself heavy laden. It could be because of spiritual things. You, know? you see the gap between what Christ uh, invites us to and, and our own devotion. We see how weak our devotion is. That, that can be burdensome and that can cause us to quit. Maybe it's emotional and you're going through emotional angst or turmoil. Maybe it's something related to your family or your marriage or things back home, whatever's going on, but you feel weary and heavy laden and you're going, the last thing I wanna do is go wholehearted for Jesus right now. I can't even think about that. Maybe it's because of your circumstances. You lost your job. There's not as much income coming in. The, the business opportunity you had, it fell through. The ministry opportunity you had, it fell through. You're feeling worn out. You feel heavy. The Lord wants us to hear this this morning. Take my yoke upon you. Really, he's, he's inviting us, really come and do it my way. Come and do it my way. Come to the waters, Isaiah 55. Anyone who thirsts, anyone who's weary, anyone who's laden, come to the waters. Drink from the fountain that is Christ. Lean in to the conversation. Lean in to the pursuit of wholehearted love. The Lord says, I will give you rest. I will bring peace to your soul. I will bring an inner satisfaction and a delight that you cannot get anywhere else. He says in Isaiah 55, he says, why do you labor for what is not bread? Why do you spend your time and your affections on what does not satisfy your own soul? He says, come to me, come to me. This morning, if that is touching you, you fall into one of those categories, and you just say, you know what, I just, I need to be reminded again of the meekness and the humility of Christ as I seek to follow him. Because my life is hard, I'm stressed out, I'm worn out, I'm heavy laden in my soul. I wanna invite you to come to the front, come and stand up on these lines right here. We're gonna go into it just a time of worship, of just expressing our love to the Lord and Brenton and the team are gonna lead us. And, we have a ministry team that's here to come and pray with you and stand with you. Scripture calls us to bear one another's burdens. Christ bears our burdens. Whatever your burden may be, he's willing to bear it with you, for you, carry you, and give you rest in the midst of it. Holy Spirit, we thank you for this spiritual family. Lord, those that are here, our children's ministry, the teenagers, those that are joining us online, our spiritual family that's out there, we ask you, Lord, for the revelation of Jesus as the meek one, as the humble one that leads us into wholehearted love. We ask you that you would touch lives, that you would touch hearts even right now. 
that you would remind us again of your tenderness and the humility in which you relate to us and call us into radical devotion before you. Come Holy Spirit. We love you in Jesus' name. How about I give you my signet? How about I give you my depression? How about I give you my weakness? We're gonna invite the ministry team to come forward to pray. If you're a friendship group leader or zone pastor in our midst, you're a missions-based leader, please come up. We want to help during this ministry time together. How about I give you my depression? I'm 